Hey, thank you for listening to the Vegan Ambition Podcast. I'm here to let you know that you can visit us on our website at theveganambition.com or on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. We post new content every single day. And now, time for the podcast. Hey, I'm Ruji, and today we're joined with Carly, and I'm Ruji. Welcome to the Vegan Ambition Podcast number 18. Today's main question is, what is your view on using animals for scientific testing? But before we start, I'd like to thank today's sponsors, and that is Farmhouse Garden Animal Home, Zucchini, and of course, Sweet Potatoes. (laughs) This podcast is a tool to help vegans, vegetarians, and anyone else who's interested in a plant-based lifestyle. The Vegan Ambition is a no-pressure zone and a no-hostility zone. We don't pressure our guests, but are simply here to discuss different viewpoints. I hope you'll join us on this journey, and education is our biggest goal here. And this is Carly. Carly is a vegan activist, world traveler, and lover of all animals. Can you tell me a bit more a bit about yourself and what you do, Carly? Hi. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, I... I studied at York University in Toronto, and I did biochemistry and psychology, um, and I was planning on doing dentistry with all of that. And then when I went uh, vegan about three and a half years ago, um, I I was on a semester abroad in Sydney, and for the first time, I was responsible for making my own choices in a more... um, in, in the sense of I was responsible for all the food that was in my fridge and all the things that I was stocking my place with, like I was the one actually buying it. So I had a couple of friends. So I guess had, you lived at home when you went to school. And- yes. Um, and then when I did my, right. my second year abroad in Sydney, it was kind of the first time where um, from the type of toilet paper I was buying to what I was stocking my fridge with, like everything was just my choice. So I started mm-hmm kind of questioning the the options that, that I had and which one would be the, the, the best option. Um, and I had friends that were vegan and recommended I watched a documentary called Earthlings. And I had heard that it was really graphic and it showed um, basically footage of all the industries in which we exploit animals and all, all the ways that we use them um, as humans in our society. And I was really hesitant to watch it because I kind of had this feeling deep down that it would make me want to make different choices in regards to um, the animal products that I was purchasing and consuming. But I finally decided to just sit down and watch it. And I told myself that, you know, it doesn't mean that I was going to change anything, but I just wanted to, to, to have all the information to make a conscious choice. And it was the first time that I'd ever really watched anything like that. And it really blew my mind. Like, I think that we have this misconception that, you know, that animals dance merrily into the slaughterhouse and something humane happens and then they come out chopped into pieces. But to actually witness um, the, the reality of what's going on in these industries was was a real shock to me. And it inspired me to make different choices. And then the more I learned about the health side of things and the environmental side of things, um, I just got more and more passionate in my advocacy and in my new choices. I, I was hesitant to call myself a vegan for the first few months um, just because I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I might be doing something wrong or I won't know how to answer people's questions. But I, I just told people that I was cutting out like animal products and that's how I kind of worded it. Oh, nice. And then the more I learned about the vegan movement and the um, and, and just how it's so related to everything we care about and how it's such a far-reaching choice to make, I became so proud to use that word and to advocate for it. And then it seemed kind of silly to... Um, to dedicate so much of my life going into dentistry when this was really my, my true passion. So this last year I've been mm. trying to make more of a career of vegan advocacy. And we've been, um, my partner James and I have been traveling around and James does speeches at high schools and universities and conferences. And I've been helping to arrange these events and doing activism events at all the places we go to and focusing a lot on online, uh, content advocacy like through our social media channels and stuff like that so it's been pretty awesome mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and that, that's amazing i mean to go from from nothing to just earthlings being the the inspiration is like and now look at you you're like a huge vegan activist uh <laughs> i would say probably one of the one of the top vegan activists uh, <laughs> uh around well thank I, you I definitely, there are definitely people doing a lot more than i am but yeah i think that it helps to to be super passionate about what you're doing. And I just couldn't imagine, Mm -hmm. you know, dedicating my life to anything else at this point. Yeah. And, um, it's funny. I actually didn't watch earthlings until about two months ago. 
Okay. Uh, and like I watched it and I was like, oh wow, this really explains everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if anybody out there is really trying, really needs to like wants to learn everything in one go, Earthlings is like a great starting point because Joaquin Phoenix just talks about everything. Yeah. He's the guy. He's the director, I think of, or he made. Um, he basically I, made. I think Earthlings. he's the co-producer. Uh, Sean yeah. Monson is, is the is the executive oh, okay. producer. But I think that um, I, I, so he's also the narrator on a new documentary that just came out earlier this year called Dominion, and it's very mm. similar to Earthlings, but it's basically just because Earthlings is over a decade old now. So Dominion is right. basically like brand new footage. It's like high definition drone footage. It's just a little bit more enjoyable to watch cinematography it's definitely not like enjoyable to watch it's still graphic footage and it's it's going to be quite a shock but if you're going to choose one of those documentaries i would choose uh dominion and as of october 10th actually it's totally free to watch they're making it free to stream and download if you go to watchdominion.com so oh that's great yeah um so what how did you get into the activism um that's a good question (laughs) yeah Uh, like what started that well, when I came back from Australia after having after having gone vegan while I was there, um, for for the first little while while I was back in Toronto, it was it, it was it was difficult for me because I was having to explain to um, all my friends and family that I'd made this change, and I didn't really have a network yet. Like I, I knew vegans online, and I was like social media friends with with vegans, but I didn't really have any real life vegan friends. And I remember I was walking to class one day at York University and someone handed me a leaflet from like these tables that were happening in the main hall. Um, And it was from a vegan club at York. So I was like, oh my God, yes, my people. And I joined the club. And um, I think a month or two later, we actually put on a screening of Earthlings where we were paying students $10 if they could sit through the documentary. And then after the documentary, there was like free vegan pizza and other 10 bucks, I'll take it. Right? (laughs) So it was a really successful event, and we got, I think, 150 people to watch uh, Earthlings, which was really awesome. And um, Mm. after the screening, we had people talk, we had, um, we had Anita Crank, actually, I totally mispronounced her name, her last name, but um, Anita from Toronto Pig Save, she came and spoke right, yeah. about the ethics of veganism and we had a nutritionist speaking about where the best places to get easy vegan food on campus was so it was a really successful event and that was the first time that I'd ever done any kind of activism event and for the first time I was like whoa like you you take the time to plan something and look at all these seeds planted like dozens of people went vegan from that event and if not vegan like so many people had seeds planted or extra points added mm-hmm. to their bucket where they might not have gone vegan then, but they were really interested in taking a step on on that path and in that direction. So I was mm-hmm. so inspired by that event. And I did a couple more with, with the vegan club at York. And um, I think the first like non-university activism event I went to was uh, there's an organization called Toronto Pig Save. And it's also a Toronto Cow Save and Toronto Chicken Save. Um, it's the Save right, Movement, right. which was founded in Toronto. And they basically do... Uh, vigils outside slaughterhouses. So the the mm-hmm. point of it is to bear witness to the animals entering the slaughterhouse on the transport trucks. Mm-hmm. And at least for me, the the biggest point of it is to be able to get footage because there's this really um, powerful in between when the animals are entering the slaughterhouse in these like yeah. trucks yeah. where where you see them through like the bars of the truck and through the air holes and they're just like sticking their snouts out and just kind of enjoying their first taste of of sunlight and fresh air possibly ever in their lives and then you, you know in about 15 minutes they're about to be prodded into a gas chamber and having their their throat slit so to, to be able to get footage of of them entering the slaughterhouse and because normally there's a an agreement with the slaughterhouse and with the activists where the trucks will stop for a minute or two before entering the slaughterhouse just so mm-hmm. we can say goodbye to the animals and get the footage and give them water because um, oftentimes they've been on the trucks for two or three days without any food or water um, and mm-hmm. and they're so thirsty so just to give them a, a small moment of compassion before their, their lives yeah. are supposed to be violently ended. So it's a very a very powerful form of activism. And I had heard about them, but I was kind of hesitant to go. And they were doing this all-day vigil. Um, I don't, possibly, I think, uh, summer 2016, I, I want to say. And, mm-hmm. the, and they were having all these special guests coming. And um, 
doing little speeches and motivational, you know, workshops and stuff like that in terms of how to be a better advocate. So I, so there was a few people uh, going to that who I wanted to meet and I ended up just going and people were so friendly and, and welcoming and open. And it wasn't like a hostile, aggressive environment the way I kind of was thinking it would be. Um, everyone was just like very kind to each other. And even to like the slaughterhouse workers, there was just like really great, positive like friendly debates going on there was no shaming there was no anger um so yeah it was yeah really I, I think a lot of people i think a lot of people like see that kind of footage online and they and, they, and there are some uh, vegan activists who are a bit ag- aggressive at times mm-hmm. um and i think i mean I, I think that that's changing a little bit but yeah one thing t- that people should always know is that like I mean, you and me, we're never aggressive to non-vegans. Yeah. Um, you know, we understand that, like, we were like that once and that it's kind of, like, hypocritical to be aggressive to non-vegans. But, of course, you know, we, we do want to encourage that. And so if you meet me in the street or you meet Carly in the street, you should know we will not be mean to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think that you should be the kind of vegan that you would have wanted to meet before you were vegan. And and, exactly. and forget about the, the, you know, obviously the importance of being kind to one another and being compassionate to other humans as well. But just in terms of, of, of being effective as an advocate, like people aren't going to listen to you if they're on the defense and you guys are having a, a, mm-hmm. a discussion where, where you're being aggressive and mean and, and, personal attacks and that's not going to go anywhere in terms of getting them a step closer to to not contributing to animal agriculture so i think that for for in many ways it's it's a much better option to just be respectful and kind of stay up even if the person in the discussion is like kind of slipping down into a more negative hostile place to just try to bring them back up and and come from a place of just like love and compassion and understanding for wherever they are on their path so Mm -hmm. and i i mean uh, one of the things that's super, really powerful, not just the like being able to meet the pigs, but I remember watching, I think it was actually one of James's videos one time. And um, you can hear in the background the pigs squealing um, when the gas, like when they get gassed essentially yeah. at these, at these factories. And it is like heart wrenching. It just destroys you. And I don't know. I don't know how anybody, can sit through that and not you know be upset by it because it's just it's it's destructive to the heart um Mm -hmm. it is so powerful and so insane that this is happening on a on on the the size and scale that is happening every day it's crazy to think about yeah um yeah it's it's eight billion lives a day if we include marine animals it's eight billion a day which is just unfathomable (laughs) Um, no, I, I, I don't even know how we've gotten to be able to do that. Like, that's so many, so many lives. Yeah, and uh, it, it can be tough. Like, the, the footage I think you talked about was from Perth, Australia. If you go to the Toronto Pig Save Vigils, you can't really hear what's going on inside the slaughterhouse because the entrance is further away from where the actual killing mm-hmm. happens. Mm-hmm. But we were at a slaughterhouse in um, Australia where yeah, you can hear them screaming. Like you can hear them mm-hmm. literally screaming for their lives. And um, I, I, I've heard this really awful footage from a, a goat slaughterhouse where, because oh. um, the, the cries that goats make actually sound so much like humans. And it's really? just, it's haunting. It's, it's, it's horrific and haunting. And whether you're seeing it in person, you know, the, the brave people that actually go into factory farms and slaughterhouses and get this footage to share, or whether you're mm-hmm. watching a documentary like Earthlings or Dominion, like it, it definitely, it definitely affects you. But I think that, um, you have to just consciously try to make a positive out of it, even when it seems like there's not any, um, mm-hmm. my, my boyfriend, James always says that like when he's, feeling kind of upset at, at a vigil, for example, you know, to, to just switch it around and be like, whoa, but look how many people are here compared to last month. And look how many people are out here fighting for them. And all these people mm-hmm. have their phones out and they're getting footage to post on their Instagram story. So think about how many people are going to see this and be inspired to make changes. And then less are going to be bred into existence in the future. And we're a step closer to ending these industries. So to just try to, yeah. it's, it's hard and it doesn't, it doesn't ever get, you know, it's not ever easy, but it can, I think that that you can relieve a little bit of that sadness by trying to put it into action and just focus on how what you're doing and what you're witnessing 
can help end it so that other individuals don't have to endure what these ones are. Mm -hmm. And that's amazing. I mean, it's so nice to, to see and to hear every year that, you know, this is growing and it's getting better. I mean, even for me, I mean, I went vegan a year and a half ago mm -hmm. and I remember going in the grocery store here in Canada yeah. and being like, there's like a couple options, you know, there's some like v veggie meat, there's some stuff. Now I go there. Yeah. Every grocery store has like double, if not triple. It's like as many skyrocketed. Options. It's crazy. I know. <clears throat> it's amazing. And yeah. it's, and it's just going to keep growing hopefully. And, and water um, is near London, Ontario, right? That's where you go. Yeah, it's not far from London. So yeah, so they actually just opened a 24-hour vegan like junk food drive-through called Globally yeah. Local. So they have like cheeseburgers and mac and cheese and like all your favorite comfort food favorites, but without any yeah. animal products. Um, so that's pretty cool. And you and you have a bunch <laughs> of vegan restaurants there too. Yeah, I haven't been to Globally Local yet. Um, it's on my bucket list to go to. <laughs> um, one place that's really good that's in this area but isn't in Toronto. Uh, when you're for when you're back because I know you come back here once in a while. Mm -hmm. Um, it's called Boone Burger. Oh, Boone Burger, I've been there. It's good. It's <laughs> so good. I don't know. I'd like. I want them to just exponentially grow because not only are they vegan, they're just so tasty. I know. They have amazing it's, food. It's, amazing. it's great to hear that A&W have the Beyond Meat Burger now as well. And yeah. actually, oh, my friend was just saying that she went there to get one. And like everyone in front of her in line, like there was like six people, all of them went and ordered the Beyond Burger. So it just goes to yeah. show like, I mean, it's just getting to the point where it's so convenient and it's so um, like – it's such an easy swap to just, even if you feel like a fast food hamburger, you can just go get the one that isn't made with like ground up cow corpse and you can just get something that tastes exactly like a hamburger, has the same nutrient profile, the same amount of protein, mm -hmm. basically the same taste. And you're just making a more, a more conscious, compassionate choice that isn't exploiting our fellow earthlings. So it's really, yeah. it's, it's been really crazy to see the, the, the boom in the market for all of these vegan products and, mm -hmm. um, and just how literally everything you could possibly want to eat, you can find a vegan version of it. And it's getting more and more accessible for everyone. Yeah. And, and not only that, but I, I went there with my brother-in-law one time. And I mean, my brother-in-law is like a, you know, he's a meat eater. I'm trying to change it, but it's taking time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, he he used to say, he said that he used to love A&W, but he found that like over time that it like was very heavy for him mm -hmm. uh, when he went there. So one time we went there together and he got the veggie burger, like the Beyond Burger. Mm -hmm. He was like, this is amazing. He yeah. was he was like, not only do I feel great, but that tasted super good. And like, now I'll come back and get it, basically. Totally. There you go. And I think, yeah. And I think one time even we were hanging out and he just like, and he went and got it also, or they were out or something, but he tried to get it basically mm -hmm. um, because it's, it's it's good and it feels good like you don't feel I, I don't know like I don't I don't remember how it feels to eat me anymore um, mm -hmm. but I just remember people like t like saying and I've heard this a lot that people feel like very heavy after eating meat totally like I don't feel like that ever so oh, and when you think about like it just sitting in your in your intestines like we have the physiology of herbivores like we have right. we have very long intestines meant to um to process all the plant matter we have uh, you know our, our our saliva our teeth like all of it is is meant to be eating plants not not flesh um mm -hmm. that really is not what our physiology points towards so we're in we're, we're very much behaviorally omnivores but we're not phys like physiologically omnivores so I think that most people who go vegan end up seeing like really incredible health benefits on a in terms of like how they feel and also in a deeper more like long-term way of preventing so many chronic diseases because you know the science is is conclusive now like that animal products cause heart disease, cancer, diabetes, and all of these mm -hmm. chronic diseases that so many of us are going to suffer from. But I, mm -hmm. I personally like try to stay away from the health argument because some people feel good with, with, with some animal products in their diet. So that really isn't, I, I think, a, a conclusive enough reason as to why someone should go fully vegan. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's very easy to say, oh, well, I could eat mostly plant-based and have animal products once in a while. So in terms of the health side of things, I, I really always try to shift the discussion back to 
every single essential nutrient we need to thrive, we can find in non-animal foods. So if we yeah. don't need to be doing it, then it's unnecessary violence. And most of us agree that causing unnecessary violence is wrong. So although, you know, you can watch Forks Over Knives on Netflix and What the Health on Netflix, and there's so many incredible resources to look into in terms of the health benefits, also nutritionfacts.org and veganhealth.org are really good resources. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it just comes down to you know, whether or not it's healthier. And it is, if you look at all the research, all the recent nutrition science, um, it's just not necessary, like to be getting Mm -hmm. the same nutrients you can get from plants, but like filtered through someone's exploited and killed body. Why? (laughs) Um, And so, okay, so we're going to, we're moving on to our sponsor call, which is Farmhouse Garden Animal Home, which you've been there, right? I have. Um, I love it there. Yeah, it is my favorite sanctuary. I've only been to one sanctuary ever, and Mm -hmm. this is the only one I've ever been to. Um, But Farmhouse Garden Animal Homes' mission is to provide a safe home for the animals in their care. They want to show others that farm animals deserve love and compassion. Each of their animals is a unique individual, and by learning and interacting with them, Farmhouse hopes to teach others to love them as well. Farmhouse Garden Animal Homes subsides entirely on donations. They're a nonprofit, and they have... 30 cows, two horses, uh, two ducks, I think five chickens, and a couple other animals that I don't remember off the top of my head. (laughs) So please consider donating to them or visiting them in their beautiful uh, location in Uxbridge. You can find them on the web, on Facebook, Instagram, or by visiting farmhousegardenanimalhome.com. Thanks, Farmhouse Garden Animal Home, for sponsoring today's podcast. Um. And you, you love you love that sanctuary, right? Oh yeah, I think it's incredible. I mean, and their story is so cool too. That that it, it, you know, that Mike was a beef farmer who had a change of heart and then decided to stop mm-hmm. breeding his um his animals, the animals that he cared for, and stop sending them to slaughter. So it's it's pretty incredible to 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 go there and visit and connect with these individuals who you know would otherwise you know have their bodies chopped up and be for mm-hmm. sale in some grocery store like it's just so surreal when you're meeting these individuals at sanctuaries who are so unique and and special in their own way and like so very obviously sentient conscious individuals the same way that our dogs and cats are so visiting sanctuaries mm-hmm. and- are is such a such an important i think um I think it's such an important addition to everyone's transition to veganism to be able to connect with the individuals in these industries, definitely. And I mean, Farmhouse specifically was a was a cattle ranch for three generations. Yeah. Um, and you know, and they were doing it to subside, basically to help pay for their vegetable um, operation. Mm-hmm. And then you know, one day, this, this I mean, the story specifically goes that one day Mark was uh, Mike. Mike. Uh, Mike was feeding a baby cow that he had, you know, helped to like to like ra- like just get to like the point of like being able to survive essentially. Mm-hmm. And he was feeding her, and he essentially was like, "I don't want to send her off to slaughter. I don't want to have to do that." Um, and that's when he contacted, uh, you know, Edith and started working with Edith to to see what they could do. Yeah, it's pretty special. Yeah. So, Carly, um, I'd like to get on today's main question, which is what's what's your view on using animals for scientific testing? Um, I mean, I think you could probably guess my my view, but um, it's it's unethical. It it it's the most horrific. It's one of the most horrific things that exists right now Mm -hmm. in this world that we are breeding individuals into existence to basically be enslaved and literally tortured um, in, in laboratories and cosmetic testing facilities and stuff like that. So, I mean, it, it's, it's bad science. It's, um, it doesn't often you- translate into uh, human results for the same trials. Okay. And we have so many alternatives nowadays, and it's it's just barbaric and unnecessary and horrific and something that I think that it is definitely on its way out and something that we're going to look back on with horror that, that, that we did this to innocent individuals. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> now I, I don't know a lot about, um, the bad science element of it. Okay. What makes it bad science? Um, basically, uh, so animal trials are often not applicable to, to human trials. So even if, okay. 
so even if something is tested on animals, it often has to be still tested on humans before it can be released to market or can be um, or before any conclusion can be reached in terms of the the study's hypothesis. So it it often isn't even like a a necessary step in in the equation. And I'm I'm definitely no researcher, but I have been reading really interesting alternatives, including like working on, you know, how, how you can grow pieces of human flesh from cells and be testing on that and stuff like that. I, mm-hmm. I definitely am not an, an, an expert on this, but if you search for vivisectional alternatives, there's sites dedicated to talking about the science behind the alternatives. And um, yeah, just, and, and even if we didn't have like a specific alternative for this specific test, like this shouldn't even be an option. Like the same way that, oh, it could help a lot of people if we, if we do this to a baby, like we'd be like, nah, like that's a human. They're worthy of protection. And even though they're a baby and can't fight back and, you know, and, and that they're kind of helpless in a way, of course, we're not going to, you know, do something to Mm -hmm. this baby, even if it could help an adult human say, and that should most definitely extend to non-human animals as well. They're, they're sentient and conscious the same way that we are. They feel pain. They suffer to, to be, making a decision to inflict so much suffering on a sentient individual just there's there's no excuse for that there's nothing that could ever justify that and i think that you know the the means or is it no the the means need to justify the ends or whatever the other way around but what what i'm trying to say is is that yeah you know there's it, it doesn't matter what the what we're getting out of it if it involves doing something so immoral and horrific to to someone in the in the process interesting okay i mean uh, i i i agree mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um i just i i'm just trying to figure out like what what someone on the other side would say and i mean the, i think that there are the the thing that i think what people would say is well isn't it worth it still because um you know isn't it is and that's that gets into a bit of speciesism right and it's yeah, it's definitely. like well well you know are we gonna put human lives above animal lives in some situations right well i i'm reading a really interesting book right now called eternal Treblinka. i'd highly highly recommend it and it basically okay. talks about the parallels between um human slavery and the things that we have done to groups of humans in the past and what we are doing to animals and I, I think that you mentioned speciesism, which is basically this this system of oppression that kind of has indoctrinated us to believe that it's humans at the top and then all other animals below. Right. And that really isn't based on anything of substance, because when you ask people why, they would say something like, OK, well, maybe intelligence. But then when you break that down and you say, well, there are lots of humans who are very unintelligent and even ones that have certain disabilities that that really make it so that they have a, a particularly low a low IQ does that mean that they are not worthy of consideration as an individual who has you know still has has their rights mm-hmm. that include not being enslaved and and not being killed so um and then and you could say things like well you know humans have accomplished all these things and symphonies and buildings and all this stuff. And I mean, that's still, it it doesn't, if you actually break it down, it doesn't, there's nothing that separates us that makes it so that we are so much better than all of these, than all these, uh, these other animals and, and, and that we are entitled to their lives and their bodies. And, um, it just, it's really not based in anything of substance when you break it down. Um, Mm. but even if someone wants to have the mindset of, okay, well, we're superior and they want to believe that I I don't even think it's necessary to, to, um, to disagree with that, to make my point, because if you want to believe that, that we are stronger than all the other animals and that we are smarter, that we are superior, then shouldn't Mm. we use that, that power that we have to have mercy on those weaker and not as strong and not as intelligent as us. So it just, either way you want to look at it why would we unnecessarily harm others if we don't have to? It still comes down to that. And I think that in terms of the vivisection thing, it's a bit of a hard conversation to have because if we are still 
systemically exploiting billions of animals every day for nothing more than like because we like the way they taste like it's it's very hard to to have a conversation with someone who is still paying for animal exploitation just because they like the way they taste and then have a conversation saying okay well it's still wrong to exploit someone even if it's saving a human's life so i think that it, it, it's a it's a tricky conversation to have you know before you already come to the conclusion with someone of, of like yes when it's unnecessary it's wrong because so many people are still believing that even when it's unnecessary, we still have a right to be violent to them. So it's going to be very difficult right. to, to convince them that when it is, you know, quote unquote necessary in terms of for human survival, then it's wrong. So, um, yeah, I mean, it comes down to, to speciesism, but I, I think that that we're going to get to the point, hopefully, where step by step we're going to be abolishing these industries that that exploit our fellow Earthlings. So. It might not necessarily start with something like vivisection. It might start mm. with our food choices, right? And because nowadays we can get every single essential nutrient from non-animal sources, like that's a really easy first start to be like, okay, this is definitely completely unnecessary to be breeding animals into existence to use their bodies and their secretions to eat. So mm -hmm. let's start with that. And then I think that as awareness grows about seeing other animals as individuals um, and non-human people in their own right, then more and more alternatives and solutions to, to vivisection will be, will be brought up and discovered. Um, yeah, but it's, it, I mean, I, it's pretty, it, it just comes down to, to would you want to be in that position? So mm -hmm. I think that it always comes down to that, like in terms of, in terms of to widening our circle of compassion to, to embrace like all non-human animals um would you want to be in their position in terms of what we're doing to them in these labs and in these testing facilities okay that's fair i mean you know i i totally get that i totally agree with that um carly did you know that zucchinis are a great low calorie food they <laughs> also have zero saturated fats and zero cl cholesterol i believe and also they're high in dietary fiber and they're an excellent source of potassium. Zucchini is also a very versatile vegetable and can be placed into many different types of dishes. Some examples are ratatouille, simple, simply grilled or baked zucchini and zucchini pesto, which I found out about while researching this. So I have to go make it now. And you can make zoodles uh, too. Like, like you can turn it into noodles right. and use it for a base. Yeah, totally true. Uh, thanks zucchini for sponsoring today's podcast. All right, Carly. Okay, I, I I've never. Know, I'm sorry. Yeah. I've never heard an ad for zucchini before, so I just have to say that that was an interesting experience for me because so much of the time we talk about how, um, like you know, like the meat and dairy and egg industries are like all about the propaganda, and if you look at like studies that say that these foods are healthful for us, um, it's almost always sponsored by these industries, and and how many ads we see online and stuff, and and how a lot of vegans say, well, well, you won't see any ads for like big big broccoli or big watermelon <laughs> and i just heard an ad for zucchini so that was there you go i'll, I'll have to change what i say in terms of that <laughs> yeah big zucchini uh they contacted me you know and They're they said well yeah that will give me it'll give you a lot of money for this <laughs> um you know no i i thought about i was thinking about what to do as like a sponsor call kind of like in between yeah. and i just thought i mean people like they eat lots of vegetables, but they don't know a lot about them. Yeah. And so I've, I've been doing, I do three sponsor calls and they're usually like a, like a vegetable or fruit or like something like that every single podcast. That, so that's brilliant. That's the way that all ads should be. Here's why you should eat yeah. this vegetable. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. I want to know if you have any recommendations. Uh, uh, am I right to say that you're waste free all the time or is there, oh, definitely or are you not. just like, Okay, so you just you know a lot about it, though. Uh, yeah, I, I've been learning more about um, our disposable plastic use and right. just other ways that we produce waste. Um, basically, when I went vegan, it kind of opened the floodgates to just caring about stuff and and realizing mm -hmm. that I had such such a powerful vote as a consumer to be, you know, voting with my dollar and 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 changing what I buy if if I if I wasn't 
um, if, if the practices of what I was buying wasn't in alignment with my values. So I started questioning things like where my clothes were being made and where they were coming from. And, you know, the, the, the waste that I was producing, where was that going? Was it actually getting recycled? And Mm -hmm. just, yeah, just learning more about, I guess the, the zero waste movement, the, the environmental movement, and just trying to integrate what I learned as, as much, as much as possible. So that's amazing. But I want to know what are your tips to people who want to be waste free and vegan? And what are your tips to do that while traveling as well? Okay. I would say, um, I know it's a hard question. There's a lot to it. All right. I'll I'll try, I'll try to break it down. So I think that it's all going to be individual because it depends on where you're creating the most waste. So I would say that the first step, if you want to try to be more mindful, uh, well, actually, the the pre-step to this would be kind of look into the effects that that how much waste we're producing is having on the environment and all the all, mm-hmm. all, all the plastic that we're putting into landfills and how much of it mm-hmm. like ends up in the ocean and just the devastation it's having on the planet. So there's a really great documentary called um, A Plastic Ocean, which I'd recommend. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, Seaspiracy on YouTube is another really good one. It's a little 15-minute short documentary. Seaspiracy. Uh, Seaspiracy, yes. Almost but, like Cowspiracy. Yeah, it's kind of like that, but more about the, the ocean specifically. Right, um, right. So yeah, so that's the, I guess, my precursor would just be to like to just learn a little bit more about how environmentally devastating this really is. Um, and then my first step would just be to analyze in your daily life where you're creating the most waste. So if you're someone who likes Mm -hmm. to get a coffee on your way to work every morning and you're getting that disposable cup from Starbucks and putting in the recycling thinking everything's okay, um, that might be something to reconsider because those cups actually aren't aren't recyclable because they're lined with plastic. And even if something is recyclable, um, 90% of the time it's actually going to get sent to landfill anyway because of contamination of little food particles or it's not usable or basically recycling is not the solution. Um, And and I would say that the, the biggest step that you could take would be to look at all the areas that you're using the most disposable stuff and switch to reusable. So if every day for lunch you end up getting some plastic cutlery to eat your lunch with, just keep a fork and a, a little butter knife in your bag, like wrapped in a I mean it can be as simple as just like taking some from your cutlery kit at home and and wrapping it in a tea towel but they also make like really cute little travel size like mm-hmm. light bamboo ones that you can get online very easily actually I think there was a store that just opened in Toronto called Logan and Finley and they have a bunch of um like zero waste hack but I mean, but I mean, zero waste doesn't necessarily mean buying more stuff. It can just mean like working with what you have and um, kind of phasing out the things that you're using mm-hmm. a lot of in terms of disposables and switching to reusables. That would be the main thing. Um, like another good example would be to just switch to a reusable coffee cup, like just bring around one of those travel mugs. But even if you can't afford one of those, like you can just use an old mason jar that you've cleaned out and cut up an old sock and use that as like a sleeve over the mason jar, like like just oh. the top of a sock. I, I saw that someone posted on Instagram. I forget who, but there's lots of like easy, great idea. Yeah. There's lots of like easy zero waste hacks that don't cost any money that you can start integrating. Um, I guess for me, it's kind of gotten to the point where if you're like spending a whole day out where you know you're going to be like maybe getting some food or drink that you would need to bring around your reusables for to not create any waste. Like it just involves kind of like having a couple, like having your toolkit in your backpack or in your purse and just having like a, a piece of cutlery. Like, like I actually have this really cute like bamboo spork where one side of it is a spoon and one side of it is a fork with a serrated edge. So it has like the fork, knife and spoon all in one and it's super light. Um, and then, yeah, bringing around, if you're someone that drinks a lot of hot drinks, just bring around a reusable mug, um, obviously a reusable water bottle. You, you can get ones with like little filters in them. So you can just fill it up with tap water and it filters it for you. Um, yeah, but it, it really is going to depend on your own habits and taking a look at where you produce the most waste day to day and, and little things you can swap it over for. Um, and then in terms of travel that covered a lot of it, but Oh yeah, I guess a, a few mm-hmm. other things would be when you go grocery shopping, um, either just put the produce directly in your cart um, right. or, or yeah. bring little produce bags to put it in and obviously bringing your own like a canvas bags to put all your stuff in at the end. So you don't have to use any mm-hmm. plastic bags. Um, also bulk shopping is really great for the things that you can't really find without a package in a normal grocery store, like maybe like nuts or oats or, um, pasta or even like, uh, 
bulk like rice and beans. You can get that at a bulk shop and just bring your own little bags and then you can transfer that into jars when you get home. So you can essentially, if you're doing mostly whole foods, you can essentially get most of your food without packaging if you just plan ahead a little bit because you can get your produce without packaging and then you can get your um, like bulk stuff. I mean, you're like dry stuff from a bulk store. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely not perfect with it. There's there's a few things that are more difficult than others. Like for example, unless you're going to a farmer's market, it's really hard to find berries without plastic packaging. Um, right. And I, I really enjoy having my fresh blueberries. So I, I still get those little plastic cartons of blueberries and then just <clears throat> put that in the recycling. But um, yeah, that's definitely not the ideal solution. I feel guilty every time I do that. Um, I remember uh, one time, sorry, I remember one time during the summer though, My uh, I was living at home and my my like family brought brought this like in huge like five pound uh box of blueberries oh gosh that's it was my in, heaven it was in like a cart like a carton box i don't know if you've ever seen those in the grocery store where they like they usually they're usually filled with like tomatoes or yeah, like peaches it, or something they're, yeah they're compostable those little ones i think if yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. The, no i mean it's like a huge one and it was just all blueberries it was I think I just ate blueberries that whole week. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, basically, I, I I just wanted to add that to say, like, it's not about perfection. If there's certain things right. that you are having trouble finding, like, a plastic-free alternative for, don't beat yourself up about it. But it's about all the things that you do have an easy alternative for, like the coffee mug I mentioned or the cutlery or the bags at the grocery store. Like, there are really easy-to-use swaps for those things. So just mm-hmm. all the things that there are an alternative for, you may as well just swap those over. And then the things that there aren't, I guess that's just it, – it depends if you want to, you know, h- how far you want to go with it. But it's definitely possible right. to live, like, a close-to-zero-waste lifestyle um, if you do have access to a bulk store and good produce – at your local grocery store or farmer's market. But um, yeah, that there's lots of amazing people that that post a lot of tips about their zero waste lifestyle on Instagram. If you follow like the, I think, low impact movement, that's a hashtag that I follow that has a lot of tips under it. And I guess just like zero waste in general. But it's it's been interesting to see it integrating with veganism because um, it's not directly related to animal exploitation, but animals end right. up like, but animals end up suffering from the plastic waste in the oceans and mm-hmm. um, pollution. So it, it's definitely related in an in an indirect way, and it's something that we should be mindful of, definitely. Now, what about traveling? Because I mean, when I went like abroad for a while, mm-hmm. I found it pretty hard most of the time to be waste free, um, even with like stuff like airport food and you know all that kind of thing. So, are there any like big tips that you kind of would would give people um well you know plane travel itself is very not eco-friendly um it's like the worst way that you can travel but if you have an option on your ticket to buy like the carbon offset where they'll well they'll plant an amount of trees that like is equivalent to how much carbon you released on that flight um that's a good option but i mean it really just depends on on what you're flying for like if you're like a lot of the time we're, we're flying to places for events that hopefully end up turning a lot of people vegan and end up influencing a lot of people. So we kind of weigh the pros and the cons of that. But, um, yeah, definitely, uh, air travel is not the, the best way. And I look forward to when we do have an alternative for that, that's not like an unreasonable option, like take a six month boat trip instead of flying there, you know? So I, mm-hmm. I mean, hopefully we get to the point at some point in the future where we have, um, renewable energy fueled planes, but I don't know how close we are yeah. to that. But, um, <laughs> in terms of more practical tips for, for when you do have to fly somewhere, we, we actually end up not really getting any airport food. I mean, sometimes we, we do, but our general rule that we, that we like to, to stick to is just to make it kind of a fast, like doing occasional fasting is really good for your body and your digestive system. So if we have a, a, pretty long flight we'll kind of just make that our, our fast day like from the time we wake up to like when we right. arrive at the next place and just drink a lot of water with our reusable water bottles that we bring um but there are tons of vegan options at, at airports and stuff if you want to find them like you can usually go to those little restaurants um before you get on the plane and 
you know, f- find a vegan burrito or you know. vegan pizza or, or lots of options. But in terms of the actual plain food, we usually yeah. don't actually have it because I think it's like, because I think you have to call in advance and request a vegan meal and we just are, are too lazy really? for that. <laughs> or, or maybe actually, you can do it online. I, yeah, I think it's you easier do it on- than that. <laughs> I think you could do it online. The last time I flew, all I had to do was just like check off. Veg- it's it's actually in, I think most flights it's it's called vegetarian meal. Okay. Uh, non dairy, um, and that you just might have, have to, like, eggs conf- though. No, they don't have eggs. Oh, okay, good. Um, yeah. Uh, at least for Air Canada, it's like that. So I like had to check. I checked with them a couple times though, like just to make sure. But I was like. I, I have to eat, so I yeah, like... Yeah, no, that's a great I option. I to make sure. But one of the most amazing things I ever saw uh, was in... I think it was in South Korea. And um, in the airport, in the terminal, they had this, like, little little machine. I know this isn't waste-free, but... Yeah. <laughs> they had this little machine, and it was, like, basically an iPad strapped to, like, a stand... And it was for like this like cafeteria place and you could go on it and say what allergies you had. Whoops. You could say what allergies you had. You could say um, uh, what you didn't eat. You could say like whether you were vegan or vegetarian or whatever. And it would Mm -hmm. tell you exactly what you could order at every single one of the restaurants in that little cafeteria. That's incredible. Wow. And it was mind blowing. I was like. Uh, why is this not available everywhere in right? the whole wide world? Please. Yeah, well, it's, it's not as technologically advanced, but I don't know if you've heard of happycow.net, the site, and you can yep. also download it. I love an app. Happy Cow. Yeah, so yep. it basically shows you all like the vegan options near you. So it's really great when you're traveling to just um, anytime you have Wi Fi, just go on Happy Cow and it shows you like by distance all the places that have vegan options near you, which is really great. Yeah, and they have an app too. So yeah. for iPhones and for Androids. Mm hmm. It's great. Um, yeah. So I have another sponsor call. All uh, right. Sweet Potato. Big Sweet Potato paid me for this. Uh, <laughs> sweet Potatoes have some phenomenal qualities. As such, Sweet Potatoes may help maintain a healthy blood pressure, and they also have a high dietary fiber level. Sweet Potatoes are also considered low on the glycemic index, and some example of dishes that can be made with Sweet Potatoes are Sweet Potato Fries, Sweet Potato Soup, and a Sweet Potato Casserole. Thanks, Sweet Potato, for sponsoring today's podcast. Um, before we finish up, Carly, is yes. there anything else that you want to say to people? Um, I guess I'll just tie in the the vegan thing and the, the zero waste thing with basically just saying that there's a lot of things wrong with the world. And I know that we, you know, it's, it can be kind of daunting to look at the news some days and just feel like all these terrible things are happening. Yeah. You can't really change them. But there are very few things that we personally are directly contributing to. And I would say that 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 you know uh, our food choices, our clothing choices, and our, the the waste that we're producing are three of the uh, of the major ones that we can take a step back and say that I have a vote with my dollar as a consumer, mm-hmm. and either I can pay for these practices or I can pay for these practices. And especially with veganism, you know, this is the most violence happening in the world is happening in the animal agriculture industries right now. And there's no such thing really as being, as being a neutral bystander because either you are funding it or you're not funding it. So I think that, I think that the, the moral baseline should be veganism. The moral baseline should be not contributing to unnecessary violence because most of us share that value that we believe that causing unnecessary violence is wrong and should be avoided and Mm -hmm. that's not that that's not new like most people already feel that way the vast majority of people so it's really just about aligning your your actions with your already existing values and realizing that every time I pay for meat dairy eggs any animal product I am paying for I am putting money towards this industry. And basically when you make that gap on on the shelf, it's going to be filled down the line. Another individual is going to be bred into existence by forceful insemination. Another individual is going to be separated from their mother. Another individual is going to be enslaved and exploited for their whole life. And another individual is going to have their life ended against their will at a fraction of their lifespan so that we can eat their body. And for something that we no longer need to be doing nowadays in 2018 it, it, it is just such an important cause it's so far reaching everything we care about you know animal cruelty 
health, the environment. Um, you know, we could we could take massive strides toward ending uh, towards ending world hunger if we repurpose the land we are using to grow crops to feed to farmed animals. And we just we, we have enough food right now. We're growing enough food to feed the world. We could end world hunger. You know, twenty thousand human children die of starvation every day. This doesn't need to happen. So, I mean, that's just a, a small handful of things. If you start researching veganism, you'll go down the rabbit hole and. Um, but it, it's basically the most far-reaching, easy choice you can make to have a, a, a real big impact on this world. And advocating for veganism doesn't need to mean being a stereotypical activist and throwing blood on yourself and running down the street. It can it can really just be just talking to your friends and family about it and being confident in your answers and being well-researched and being able to answer their questions um, in, in a logical, calm, positive way. And you know, maybe posting some stuff on social media once in a while because we have such powerful tools in our pockets with our phones. Even if you don't have a big platform, most people have at least 100 followers of their friends and family. And that's incredible. Like every day you have a platform of 100 people at the very least l listening to you. So I think that we really should be taking advantage of that and, and spreading good things and sharing information. Um, yeah, but if anyone has any... Um, questions about about going vegan they're always welcome to reach out to me on instagram carly taylor 269 and I, I assume you as well and there's yeah, two there's two really great resources um challenge22.com and vegankit.com mm -hmm. both just basically help people with a like 22 day well I, I don't know how many days the vegan kit challenge is but both basically just arm you with the resources to and, and the recipes and the answers to your questions. It's, it's both free and they just help you try out a vegan lifestyle. So yeah, mm -hmm. I, I definitely would recommend everyone look into this because it's the best thing I've ever done. Most vegans would say it's the best thing they've ever done. And <laughs> it, it, it's an easy swap that can fit in with your lifestyle, whatever you're doing, whatever career you're in. Um, you can, you can also be not supporting the animal agriculture industries at the same time. So mm -hmm. Great. Well, I'd like to thank today's sponsors, which were Farmhouse Garden Animal Home, Zucchini, Sweet Potato. I'd like to thank Carly and you listeners for being here with us today. As Carly said, you can find her on Instagram at CarlyTaylor269. And she also has a YouTube channel, and that is called James and Carly. Um, if you have a suggestion, uh, a question, you want to be a sponsor, or you want to be on an episode, you can send me an email at veganambitionpodcast at gmail.com or visit my website, thevegananbition.com. Thank you, everyone, and have a great day.